Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a good morning to you on this Thursday. Started off as a rainy day here in the area, and all of a sudden, some of the clouds breaking out of here. A little bit of sunshine, nice temperatures, no complaints. How about you? Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask you, please, subscribe to the program. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, where this show is streaming on the Chatterbox Sports page. You can also find us in podcast form, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Bengals are back at it on the practice field yesterday. T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joseph Asai, and Trent Taylor were listed as limited on the injury report yesterday. Hayden Hurst apparently was out of his walking boot, but is not expected to play this Sunday. Joe Burrow showed up on the list, limited, with what's being called an elbow issue. The Buccaneers, meanwhile, have been without starting left tackle Tristan Works for the last two weeks. He was on the practice field yesterday with hopes of returning for this Sunday's game. Game time is 425. Matt Matera, who covers the Bucs in Tampa, will join us today at 1030 to talk all that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jerry Jones, you know he signed T.Y. Hilton earlier this week. There's a strong chance that he will play against Jacksonville this weekend, where with a win, the Cowboys clinch a playoff spot. Jones now apparently is talking again about Odell Beckham Jr. He said that it's still in play, and to borrow his words, he says, stand by. College football. Ohio State star running back Travion Henderson will miss the college football playoff due to foot surgery. Henderson has missed about half the year with the injury. That means the Buckeyes are leaning heavily upon former Winton Wood standout Mayan Williams and freshman tailback Dallin Hayden against the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Both college football playoff games will be played on New Year's Eve. In World Cup action, the final is set. Argentina v. France after the French beat Morocco yesterday 2-0. The final is Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. College basketball. UC hosted Travis Steele's Miami Redhawks last night. And the Bearcats score the most points. Right, Paul Fritchner, they've ever had under Wes Miller? That's exactly right. 103 to 76. David DeJulius leads away with 22. Cats are 7-4. and four. They'll host LaSalle on Saturday afternoon. After an 0-9 start, Louisville picks up its first win last night, 94-83 over Western Kentucky. And watch out for UCLA. Mick Cronin's got it going on. Again, the Bruins route number 20 Maryland in College Park, 87-60. UCLA 9-2 on the season. In baseball, the Dodgers signed Noah Syndergaard to a one-year deal. No terms were announced. Syndergaard split last season between the Angels and the Phillies. Now, look, before we get to Paul Doherty, who joins us in a matter of moments, all Bengals fans are in stunned disbelief about what's going on on Twitter with Zim Houdet. Apparently, fellas, good morning, Casey. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Brandon. 
His account has been suspended because of some back and forth, I guess, that was going on between Zim and some Cleveland Browns fans. Is that correct? Could one of you explain this to me? Uh, a stinking Browns fan? Are you kidding me? That's the word on the street. Wow. Twitter. Paul, can you add anything to this? Uh, yeah, so usually what happens when your account gets suspended is that after three days, I think, it, <clears throat> I think it's three days, you can apply to come back, basically. And then if you violate whatever Twitter determined you violated the first time, then you're gone for good. Now, every case is different, but that's how it generally is. So today, as you see here on the screen, is day three. I'm pretty sure if, if, it's, if it's just normal, if it's just standard like it usually is with a suspension, then he could apply to come back today. But who knows what it actually is. And, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, I didn't see what, exactly what it was that went down. But if it's really just some Browns fans that got pissed off and they can't take the heat, well, that's stupid. It's one thing if you're, like, impersonating somebody. It's another thing if you're just doing that. What? I mean, like, come on. We know the team stinks. The fans, they just, they really stink. You know, uh, the, the whole Twitter thing has obviously been in the news, and, and, and we're not getting into the politics at all of it, and Elon Musk buying Twitter and all that kind of thing. But I read a story, I think, two days ago about uh, parents whose daughter was involved in some kind of uh, explicit video of some kind uh, and I don't know enough about Twitter to know what their rules and regulations. Hell, I don't think they know inside of Twitter what their rules and regulations are, to be completely honest. And I think that's been proven, especially the last number of days. But um, apparently they appealed to Twitter. The girl is, is 18 now or 19. And there's this video that's still on Twitter. And they had gone to the people at Twitter and they had said, hey, look. Uh, this is just continuing to uh, just traumatize and destroy our daughter. Could you please just take this video down? Please, could you take it down? And, and they were told no. Okay? We're not going to get into that whole story. But they were told no, we're not going to do it. So, to think that some dude named Zim Hude is suspended from Twitter. I'm sure there was colorful language in there. He and I were texting back and forth. He drops a couple of F-bombs on him or something to that extent. I don't know how far it went because I've not seen him. But I mean, come on. I mean, we got real issues of people out there and stuff going on and he suspended his account. Uh, that's tough because you work so hard to build your brand and do all those things for years and build up who you are and Twitter is what you got. I mean, Twitter would be – it's tough. If you're in sports and you're not on Twitter, it's a tough scene. And Zim had everybody on there. I think he's back on a maybe a different account. Yeah, he's on – he's currently operating out of the Wincinnati podcast Twitter account. Okay. So he's not completely vanished from Twitter. Um, he, he's still kicking around, probably still chatting it up in those uh, – the spaces, Twitter spaces. Well, I'm told here uh, by one of our um, viewers in the chat that anyone can get suspended for hate speech or bullying. I mean, look, I, I think that uh, that's fair to say, but let's be honest about it. Um, 
there is just so much hate out there in this world. I, I, I just find myself, you know, getting discouraged about it every single day, whether it's stuff they write about me or it's stuff they write about other people, more importantly. I, I just can't believe it. I, I, I just can't believe that people spend their time looking to, to send out messages and, and let their voices be heard uh, of some of the uh, stuff that, that's out there. It's just mind-boggling to me. I just can't believe it. There's a lot of good out there. I mean, obviously, there are a lot, there's a lot of good you can do there in, in helping other people or promoting your brand or whatever it might be. But it's just so over the top and out of control. And I don't, I don't have the answers. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Um, so we got Paul Doherty coming up here in a matter of moments. So let me know when he's in the house. I will. Um, I'm really interested to talk to Doc today. He writes The Morning Line since retiring from the Cincinnati Enquirer uh, on Substack.com. And you can find his columns. He's writing on average anywhere from two, three, four a week uh, about everything going on. Uh, not, not just sports, but, you know, things going on about where you can go to have a beer or where you can go hiking or get outside if the weather's good, all kinds of different stuff. But his uh, column yesterday or the day before uh, had the headline on it, Baseball is Dead. That was the, the headline. And it goes into all of these signings and all of this money that's being spent and the amount of money that's being spent and the money uh, that's being spent on what players are out there. You want me to pull it in? Yeah, pull it up. I mean, it just, uh, you know, he picks out Brandon Nimmo from the New York Mets and, and lays out the case. Um, you know, getting into Nimmo what his career stats look like. He even dives into a couple of the analytical stats that, that, that Paul has admitted he's not at all that familiar with and not necessarily a big fan of, but to lay out the point that even by certain uh, metrics and analytics that, you know, Nemo's getting 20-plus million dollars a year, um, and, you know, that's where we are. Um, I mean, I remember I was talking to a guy last night, and I know you guys remember. You know, it's nine years ago when the Reds gave Joey Votto a 10-year contract for $25 million a year, $250 million, bucks, quarter of a billion dollars. And we all thought, wow. And, and, and ever since then, that money now, I'm not going to say it's, it's tip money, but that money now is damn near close to tip money for what they're paying some of these guys. It really is. Well, and, to, play, to play into their 40s. Trey Turner, Kevin Correa, or Carlos Correa, and um, who's the third one? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Aaron Judge. All three of those guys are going to be 41 years old when that contract expires that they just signed. When you look at the NBA, that's why the NBA has been so popular, or one of the reasons why the NBA has just exploded in popularity in the last decade or so is because when free agency opens – the players sign so quickly because they have the salary cap. They know exactly how much, basically, they know exactly how much money they're going to make. They don't need to figure out how much money they're going to make. They just pick a team. It's done within a week. But instead, you know, I remember when Bryce Harper was going to leave the Nationals and it was, is he going to come back? Is he going to go somewhere else? Where is he going to go? Season ends in October. Then you're waiting. You're waiting. It's February before he signs. There's no, Part of sports is... 
a, a predetermined excitement. We know that we turn on a game at 1 o'clock, and about 3.30, our heart's going to be racing, right, on, on an NFL Sunday. About 3.30, 3.40, you're really kicked into high gear. Free agency can be a part of that in the offseason. You have to keep your fans involved as the offseason goes along. The winter meetings do that a little bit, but there was an article the other day that the winter meetings, I don't want to say you're going to cease to exist because I didn't get into it all that deeply, but they're not going to look the same as they have. To me, free agency is a huge – look what the NFL's done with the draft. The NFL is a 12-month sport. Because no they question. Have, they have the draft. They have OTAs. Yep. They have – you know, training Mini camp, camp, whatever. They have free agency. They have everything else. And the NBA is the same way in the summer. You have the summer league. You have free agency. And everybody knows that when NBA free agency opens at midnight, it can happen right away. And uh, boom, it just explodes. Baseball, again, forget the money. That's another way to draw people in and create some excitement. But because there's no salary cap, that'll never happen. I had a conversation with a guy last night who spends a lot of time around a certain major league player's father who is from this area, who would look really good in a red uniform, and the fan base would get very, very excited about having this guy playing for the Cincinnati Reds. Now, this guy shared with me last night that the Reds have not even picked up the phone and called the guy's agent. Now, I was not surprised to hear that um, because the Reds are not going to go out and spend this winter uh, in this rebuild. They're not going to go pay some player 14, 15, 16, 17 million dollars. Not going to happen, even if you're getting them at a quote unquote hometown discount. It's just not going to happen. So, um, boy. I, I, I just can't believe where, where, where baseball is. It, it breaks my heart. Because it, it, it was such a phenomenal game for a long time. Uh, the pace at which it was played, and I know they're trying to address that. You know, most games were two hours and 27 minutes. I think the average was 234 average. Now you're up over 308, 310, somewhere in that neighborhood. People blink tele television commercials. That's part of it. But that, that's, that's not the issue here. Get them in a batter's box. Play the game. Call more strikes, make hitters swing the bat, and, and 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 get pitchers on the rubber and throw the ball. You're a big baseball guy, Paul. I very much enjoy baseball, yes. So Doc has talked before and written before about you've become, I'm assuming, even though you didn't grow up in the area, you become a Reds fan. Sure. Okay, yeah. you're a Reds fan. Okay. So can you buy into the idea of just going down to the ballpark and enjoying a beautiful summer night, have a couple of beers with your girlfriend, with your buddies, whatever it might be, and not get all wrapped up or emotionally charged up about the Reds not winning? Well, look, I mean, I, I know I probably am an outlier because of how much I like baseball, but I go to a lot of Reds games. I mean, I, I like this past year, I probably went to, I don't know, 15 or 20. Really? Like I, I very much – because it's so cheap. I can go down there. I can park for $5. I can walk up to the window on the day of the game and say, give me the cheapest thing you have available, which is like 10 bucks. I don't even – I just say cheapest available, 10 bucks. No ushers really check where you're sitting. And you walk down, you sit five rows behind the dugout with a $10 beer. You're, you're listening to everything the players are saying. 
Now, ideally, that experience doesn't happen forever because if that experience is happening, it probably means your team isn't very That's good. right. But as somebody that very much loves the sport and enjoys being around the sport and watching the games that closely, I like going down there and getting that experience. But I know I'm also on the younger side and don't have a family. And if it's 5 o'clock on a Tuesday and I see the game starts at 6.30 and I say, well, I got nothing going on tonight. Might as well go down to the red Sure, team. I can do that. Yeah. So I know that I have the flexibility that not everybody has. But at the same time, I think the point remains that – yeah, I mean, I love going down and just spending a, a summer night. And if they win, I, like, I enjoy the Reds because I'm here, and I didn't have time last summer to watch as much, other as many other teams as I, I probably should have. I didn't have MLB TV last year, so I'm not sitting there watching a ton of other games right. like I have in years past. Last year was the first year I didn't have it in forever. And so that means that I'm subjected to having to watch. If I want to watch baseball, I'm watching Valley Sports. I'm watching the Reds. You know, I can't watch the Nationals every night. Right. So because of that, I mean, I've kind of just by default turned into watching the Reds. And I, I like going down there. I enjoy it. All right. We talked about the morning line. You can find the morningline.substack.com, written by legendary Cincinnati Enquirer sports columnist, former sports columnist at the Enquirer since retiring. Paul Doherty, Doc, we put up on the screen um, your most recent column, unless you had one this morning that I missed. But the headline on it, we put it up on the screen a moment ago, baseball is dead. Why? Um, because the, the New York Mets just spent uh, 100 and what was it? $160 million on Brandon Nimmo. Who was a, a, a the kind of the working definition of pretty good? Um, if the Mets are spending that kind of money for a player like that, what are the Reds going to do? Well, what are they going to do? I mean, you know, it's not like all of a sudden, and and, and you know, we've we've covered a little bit of this ground before about you know, it's the only major sport that doesn't have a salary cap. Um, yeah. And so teams can spend into oblivion. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, the Correa contract the other day, they're going to pay the guy till he's 41 years old, um, you know, uh, over a third of a billion dollars. Um, I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, you know, it, 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 the players aren't going to listen to anything about salary cap until the owners open up their books. And, and if right. you're the players, why would you consider salary cap? until the owners open the books. Well, and it doesn't, people say to me, well, why can't they just do what the NFL does? Well, it's a totally different economy. They don't, they don't have the NFL's TV contract, you know, first and foremost, first, last, and always, actually. I mean, the national TV contract, uh, the NFL dwarfs baseballs, and it allows the NFL to do what it does, which is share the revenue equally. But meantime, baseball, uh, each team, keeps all its own media money, local TV, regional networks, all that stuff. And, and obviously New York and, and Los Angeles and bigger markets are going to have numbers for tell or money revenues from television and media that are going to dwarf smaller markets like this one. Um, so I, I don't know how they, they solve this problem, Tom. Um, may, maybe they make it a requirement that to own a baseball team you, you've got to be a billionaire a few times over. You know, you've got to prove that you can afford to pay Brandon Nimmo 
$160 million for eight years. Ken Rosenthal, who's been covering baseball um, as well as anybody over the last 25 years. Guy does a great job. Uh, you see him on Fox during the postseason, but he is a writer at heart and writes now for The Athletic. His story yesterday says the Reds are one of the franchises who ought to consider selling the team and bringing in new ownership. You and I both know that's not going to happen. Probably not. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And, and who, I mean, who do they sell it to? And, and who's to say that that, that that owner won't be a better steward or will be a better steward than, than, than Castellini is, although some fans would argue anybody would be better. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's a very difficult situation. We've talked about this a million times because they, you, you don't go into spring training with a lot of hope. You, you go into spring training hoping that you'll win five or ten more games than you won last year. Yeah, I hope we don't lose 100 again this year, you know. And that's why baseball sliding and, and football, one of the many reasons that football is far more popular these days, because the way the economics work in football, every team theoretically has hope coming into the season. And if they don't take advantage of that, it's their own fault. It's not because they're, they're at the bottom end of, of the, uh, the, the payroll sheet. Let's shift gears over to the Bengals. I know you were out of town uh, over the weekend and, and uh, didn't have a chance necessarily to watch much, if any, of the Bengals' uh, win against Cleveland. It was a good, solid win. Got that, you know, monkey off their back. A Burrow finally able to beat uh, the Browns for the first time in his career. Ended a five-game losing streak overall to Cleveland. Uh, and now all of a sudden, you know, the beat goes on. The momentum continues to gain, but also the injuries. Um you know, Doc, we, we've talked a little bit about this before. I, I don't know what they're paying Duke Tobin down there. You know, he's a de facto general manager of this team without necessarily having that title. If there is one guy that's in line to get as big a pay raise as there is for mm -hmm. any executive in the NFL, it has to be this guy with the depth this team has displayed so far yeah. this year. Yeah, any, anybody can pick Joe Burrow uh, overall in the first round, number one. Uh, that, that that doesn't take any brains whatsoever. Um, you and I could do it, which proves that. But uh, you make your bones with the lower rounds. The guys, in, you know, starting with the, the third, fourth, fifth round of the draft and then picking up uh, guys off waivers or, or acquiring a guy like Samaje Piran, you know, um, Cam drafted Cam Taylor Britt. These are the guys that, that are keeping them afloat, in my opinion. The good work that, that Tobin and, and his people have done in, in finding guys that uh, you probably didn't even know much about, if at all, in August, um, but, but are helping them save their bacon, the, the Trenton Irwins of the world. But you know what, Tom? As long as they have a healthy Joe Burrow, and a healthy offensive line. Uh, the other injuries will be problematic, but not not devastating. I, I don't know of one other guy uh, that, that that they could lose that would that would wreck their season. You right. know, they lose Burrow, the season is wrecked. If they lose, I don't know, DJ Reader, who's having a great year, they lose him, they'll get by. They did. They have. Um, 
I don't I look at the schedule now, Tom, and, and it's it's difficult, but I don't see anybody on that schedule that that, that they they can't beat. Um, they, they get the Bills here. I think they're as good or better than the Bills right now. Um, they, they get the Ravens here. They're definitely better than the Ravens right now. Um, they'll have a tricky game uh, in New England, um, but that's certainly a winnable game. And then they got the game Sunday, which they should win by a couple of touchdowns. So I, I don't – I mean, they can finish this, this thing up 13-4, and four after starting two and three, you know, and and then we'll, we'll wait and see what happens after that. But um, I, don't, I don't see any team in, in the NFL that's head and shoulders better than the Bengals right now. I'm with you all the way. You know, the, the, the Joe Burrow talk of, of MVP is starting to crank up a little bit. But before I let you go, um, right now Jalen Hurts is a guy. I mean, if, if the vote were taken today, he's going to win in a landslide. Do you think Burrow over these next four weeks has a chance to win that thing? Uh, I, I think I think in theory he does. In practice, he doesn't. I mean, we, we and we've talked about this too. We kind of live in the shadow of flyover country around here, you know? The guys here can be as good as guys elsewhere, but they don't get talked about. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes, and he's in flyover country as well, but but he's kind of unique. Uh, and, and the national media have latched on to him. Uh, Tua Vailoa was a passing fling, right? Everybody, uh, th- two or three yep. weeks ago, he was a top three MVP guy. Uh, he's not anymore. So, sure, if Burrow keeps playing the way he's playing now, He'll be uh, high on the list, but he's not in the major media market. And Cincinnati does not have the cachet uh, that, that some of these other teams do. So, unfortunately, and I don't know if he cares or not. You know, maybe it drives him. Maybe he couldn't care less. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to be the MVP. All right, Doc. Thank you for your time. Welcome back home. You got the TML lid, although we can't see it at that angle. You got it going there. And, uh, and I'm told here by Trace Fowler, our uh, CEO, that b- b- between Chatterbox swag, TML swag, we're going to get it all going. You got to open a little shop there right next to the studio. Well, we've got the biggest shop in town right outside here with headlines. They make all the uniforms for every high school team, boys and girls in the entire there world. There you go. In fact, they even make Miami of Ohio's uniforms here. Uh, it's big league yeah. operation. Are Doc, thanks for the, the time, my man. Bowl? One What's question. That? You going to watch the Fenway Bowl? I am. You are. You're lying. I'm, I'm going to watch it. I mean, you know, it's a weekend. It's Saturday. I mean, why not? Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. Even better. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great weekend. All right, Tom. Thanks. See you. Good to see you. Paul Doherty, kind enough to join us. And as promised, uh, we're going to jump right in with Matt, right? You want to take a break first? Okay, let's take a break. We're back with Matt Matera. Uh, If you want to know what's going on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is a guy. He covers a morning, noon, and night. He's got a tremendous following uh, from the fan base of the Buccaneers. And he will join us next to talk about this weekend's matchup in just a moment. And... Whoa, Casey, we're back. We're back. And you know what that means. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Casey, what do you have for me today? Well, you know, today is a very special day. Why is today a special day, Casey? 
because every day is a special day when we have a special guest and we have our host back. Well, that was a very quick very, segment. Very quick. Uh, I, I thought we had a little more time. That's kind of why. I well, then we'll save it. it but we'll save we'll it. save it for later for the the audience. All right, go ahead, Tom. Just yeah, yeah. this is a, a new segment. You guys have taken the time to come up with the idea and now the execution of the idea. And so we are definitely uh, going to circle back on that today. No Tracy Jones today, by the way. Uh, uh, as you know, uh, Tracy and his wife, Danae, are traveling across the country via train. And so they're changing trains uh, right around the time he normally comes on at 1130. Uh, in Chicago, making their way to California. And so no Tracy Jones today. So we got lots of time to circle back. We're very grateful to have Matt help me here real quick. It is pronounced Matera. Is that correct? Yes, you nailed it. That's All correct. Right, good. I want to make sure I got it straight. Thank you really for your time today. Uh, you, you have an unbelievable following down there uh, in, in Tampa Bay and for the Buccaneers. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing each and every day. Yeah, so I'm a beat writer and a digital content creator for PeterReport.com. I'm essentially the uh, you know vice president of the company, uh, second in command. And uh, Peter Report's been around for over 25 years now. I've been lucky enough to be a part of them for about uh, four and a half, five years now. So I've seen some bad, some great, and then uh, kind of tapering off right now. But you know, we have a website started out as a, uh, a magazine, then transitioned over to a website where we have content every single day, a lot of inside information. We're at every practice, every press conference. And uh, we have a podcast that goes four times a week on our uh, YouTube channel as well, the Peter Report podcast. So just anything Tampa Bay Buccaneers that you need, uh, we are the website to go to for it. You know, great stadium, great fan base. I've been there dozens and dozens of times uh, throughout my career. And, and um, obviously huge expectations when the season started. Um, Brady retires. He decides he's going to come back. Bruce Arians is no longer going to be the coach. Todd Bowles takes over. Let's just walk, walk through a little bit at a time if you have some time. We know what the team's record is. We know the way they played, and we'll circle back to that in a minute as it pertains to this weekend's matchup with the Bengals. But the whole Arians stepping aside, Bowles thing coming in, how has that been? Yeah, it's really interesting, the timeline in general. I vividly remember going to the uh, NFL owners meetings in West Palm Beach in March. And typically we're there, we get to speak to the owner, the GM, and the head coach, which at the time was Bruce Arians. And they said, oh, Bruce isn't going to be there. It's a personal matter. So initially we all thought like, oh, like I hope everything's okay. Then we find out a couple of days later that he is essentially retiring. He now works in the front office for the Bucks as essentially a consultant and he gave the job to Todd Bowles. And that was part of his whole plan was a succession plan. You know, he wanted to give an opportunity for his assistant coaches around him, whether it's Todd Bowles. Byron Leftwich was getting uh, some head coaching consideration, most notably with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So he wanted to make sure that everything was in place for the guys around him to get elevated into a higher position. Now, with that said, the entire coaching staff has been here since Bruce Arians got there in 2019. So in terms of getting to know the players, understanding the scheme and the system, 
that really wasn't anything different because they had been there since 2019. It's mostly the same players. Sure, you get turnover every year and there's the draft and there's free agency, but the core nucleus of players were still there for the Bucks. The offensive players needed to know Todd Bowles a little bit more, but nonetheless, most of it was relatively the same, which kind of makes this season even more disappointing where, sure, there's a new head coach, but it's a guy that you've known for multiple years now. Is it safe to say, Matt, that the single biggest issue, and whether it's uh, guys that left through free agency, whether it was retirement, whether it's been injuries during the course of the year, uh, the offensive line is the one, the one unit of this team that's been in the most disarray. Is that fair to say, or am I wrong on that? I would say it's pretty fair. I would say either the offensive line or really, more importantly, the play calling by uh, Byron Leftwich. Now, I'll start with the offensive line. They suffered two huge blows. Well, Ali Marpet, their perennial Pro Bowl uh, left guard. Well, he should have been a Pro Bowler for most of his career, but the Bucs weren't successful, so he only made his first Pro Bowl uh, last season. Um, he decided to retire, but he was, without question, their best offensive lineman. And then Ryan Jensen, you know, he's their tone setter. He's the nasty type of offensive lineman that'll get in your face and set the tempo. Um, he injured his knee on the second day of training camp and has not been able to return. So that's been a catastrophic injury there. So there was a ton of turnover. And, of course, their right guard, Alex Kappa, he signed with the Bengals. So right. they lost another starting offensive lineman. And then so you have a new offensive guard. They went with the rookie, Luke Gedeke, and that just didn't pan out. He struggled heavily. Shaq Mason's over there at right guard. And uh, he's been playing solid, but as a unit cohesively – uh, offensive line hasn't been great. Tom Brady hasn't trust them as much, so he's getting rid of the ball quickly, and that's why you're suffering from the chunk plays down the field, which the Bucs were fantastic at last season, and now you don't have as many options. Julio Jones has been solid lately, but he obviously is dealing with injuries all of the time, just popped up on the injury report again. And Russell Gage, their other big free agent signing, he just hasn't lived up to the hype. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury since training camp. Missed a couple of games, just came back two weeks ago. So they've been getting a lot of underperformance from their uh, you know, offensive line and their wide receivers. And their play calling has just been extremely predictable by Byron Leftwich. Uh, when you have all the talent that they had in 2020 and 2021, whether it was Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski, you can get away by just out-talenting other teams. But that hasn't been the case this year. And the offense really hasn't adjusted well enough where they keep coming up with the same plays. Defenses are calling out, calling it out, saying, here comes the screen, here comes this play. And uh, that's kind of led to the, the turmoil that's been a team that averaged 30 points per game last season at one point of the season, and now they're barely getting to 17, 18. I know you can't get in the guy's head, but we talked about this very early in the season with Joe Burrow. You know, the offensive line with the Bengals, they have four brand-new starters from the team that went to the Super Bowl a year ago. The only carryover was a starting left tackle. Uh, Zach Taylor decided not to play those guys a single snap together um, during the preseason. And in the first two games of the regular season, they give up 13 sacks. And, you know, it, it started to at least – Look like Burrow might start be, be getting a little gun shy. And, and hell, who could blame him, right? Do you think, when I watch Tampa Bay play, and I've watched them play a lot, it looks to me that there's a chance Brady would have good reason to feel a little gun shy. 
Do you feel that way at all or no? Yeah, I think he's getting rid of the ball a lot quicker than he has during his time in Tampa. He's more willing to just dump a pass off to, you know, a tight end in the flat or running back coming out of the backfield, then hold on to it for another second or two to take the deep shot down the field to Mike Evans or or Chris Godwin or even Scotty Miller, who made the infamous catch at the end of halftime uh, in the NFC Championship game against the Packers two seasons ago. He's getting rid of the ball quickly, and typically that's a good thing. You know, uh, in the past, Brady has helped the offensive line by getting rid of the ball so quickly, but in an odd way, he's almost throwing it too fast where the Bucks can't get these chunk plays down the field. They're relying heavily on the screen game, and that just hasn't worked to perfection. Part of it is they keep going to Chris Godwin, who's a great player, but he's also coming back from a serious ACL injury that he got hurt right around this time last season and you know he's recovered enough to be able to play but I wouldn't say he's fully 100% so Brady just not trusting his offensive line and I don't blame him he's 45 years old you know getting hit hurts especially at, at his age and he doesn't want to take a lot of hits so he's more likely to get rid of the ball quickly and uh, he wanted to rely on a solid run game but the Bucks have one of the lowest rushing yards per game in the season out of anyone in the league so uh, haven't been able to rely on the on the run game, and Brady's kind of been asked to do it all. And at this point, he's just not able to because he can't go down the field. All right, I, I read some news yesterday about, you know, Worse was out on the practice field at least yesterday. He's not doing all the stuff that they, they need him to be able to do to be ready to go this week, but they're hoping that is the case. Uh, Donovan Smith, I believe, basically in the same kind. Where are they with the offensive line on who you think is actually going to play this week? Yeah, I don't think Tristan Wirfs is going to be able to play again, which is really tough for the Bucs. He's without question their best offensive lineman. He plays right tackle. He was an all-pro last season. He's well on his way to being the best offensive lineman in the Buccaneers history, and he's only in his third season, so uh, we all think very highly of him. Donovan Smith, he struggled heavily this year, and um, you know, before Tom Brady got there in 2020, the memo on Donovan Smith was that, you know, he's a solid player, but sometimes his technique just gets in the way and, and, and he allows a sack if he could just stick with it a little bit more. And then his game turned around. I don't know if it's, you know, the Brady magic and people just wanting to play well for Tom Brady, but this season he's committed a lot of extremely costly holding penalties. It negated a touchdown on Sunday against the 49ers. If you watch the Monday night game against the Saints, before yep. they scored the game-winning touchdown with Rashad White, they scored a touchdown with Chris Godwin, but that was brought back because of a holding penalty on Donovan Smith. So he's having not just bad penalties, but penalties that are literally costing them points, where points have been at a premium for the Bucks this season. So Todd Bowles was asked about if he's considered making a change at left tackle, and he said they've considered everything, but Donovan Smith is their best option right now. That's partially because Kristen Wirfs is injured right now, so their top backup offensive tackle is already starting with Wirfs out. Uh, Wirfs should probably be out another week or two. He was out there, not in uniform or actually practicing, but just being out there with the teammates is is a step in the right direction, and they need him desperately in the worst way because even at a 6-7 and seven record, they're fighting to win the division and could potentially host a playoff game, as crazy as it sounds, and they'll definitely need him for the, uh, the final stretch. All right, well, let's talk about then the matchup this weekend. Uh, Bengals coming to town. They were a Super Bowl team a year ago. They were 4-4. Four and four. Now they've ripped off five straight wins. They're starting to look like a bona fide contender 
to get back to the Super Bowl again, yet the Bengals have their fair share of injuries. Nobody in the league wants to hear about it because everybody has their own. What's the feeling? What's the expectation? Knowing that, you know, Tampa Bay very much is, is trying to fight its way into the playoff spot, as you just mentioned a, a moment ago. Uh, it's a desperate team for sure. Um, what's the feeling about this matchup this weekend down your way? Uh, the feeling for a lot of, you know, Bucks media and Bucks fans is I hope they don't get debilitating beat up again like like they did against the 49ers. You know, they lost 35-7 to to the San Francisco 49ers to Brock Purdy, their starting quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant from last season. They made a rookie quarterback in his first career game look like an all-pro. So, you know, you allowed that many points. And I don't want to knock the defense too much because for most of the season, it's been the Bucks' defense that has kept them in games. But the Bucks' offense has been so bad at this point that you can't, even with Tom Brady and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you can't expect them to get into a shootout with anyone, especially the Bengals with, with Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase. And I know some of the other receivers – are potentially injured right now. But still, if you have Burrow and Jamar Chase, that almost might be good enough against this Bucks team that is struggling to score points. Like, if you score 20 against the Bucks, you probably have a good chance of winning. So I think a lot of Bucks fans and media are just hoping that Tampa Bay doesn't get blown out again because they're not going to be able to go stride for stride with the Bengals. And I know you don't want to talk about injuries, but the defense, the one saving grace for the Bucks, with the exception of last week, um, they're missing their best safety, Antoine Winfield Jr. Their other starting corner, Jamel Dean, who you could argue has been the best corner this season. He's not going to play. He's in a walking boot right now. And Todd Bowles said that he's doubtful that Vita Vea, their nose tackle, their best interior defensive lineman that leads the team with six and a half sacks, he's doubtful to play. So you're talking about the three best players or two of the three best players on the Bucks defense not being available to try to shut down Joe Burrow could be tough sledding once again for the Bucs. Um, I know you don't have a crystal ball, Matt, but, uh, you know, w w whether the Buccaneers get into the playoffs or, or whether they don't, um, do you think Tom Brady's a quarterback of the Buccaneers next year? Personally, I don't. I think Tom Brady will continue to play football in the NFL, but I just I don't think it'll be with the Bucs. I, I think – just seeing the writing on the wall, what's happened with the Bucs this season. Uh, I'm not saying there's complete turmoil within the organization, but um, clearly something just isn't right with the offense, whether it's Byron Leftwich, whether it's, you know, communication. I mean, him and Mike Evans haven't been on the same page, which is just mind-boggling to say because this was a quarterback-wide receiver tandem that – uh, connected for 14 touchdowns last season. That was Mike Evans' uh, career best and a franchise best. Now he only has three this season, and they can't seem to connect on the deep ball at all. I just think there's a different viewpoint in in how the Bucks' offense looks. I think Brady would like a little bit more structure where the Bucks' coaching staff is kind of just saying, all right, here, Tom, here you go. Do whatever you want. I think there's a misconception that everyone thinks that Tom Brady – wants to be the Peyton Manning type of guy that comes in and changes every single play and uh, will call plays and do this formation. Brady really only calls the plays when they're in an up-tempo, no-huddle situation late in the half or late in the game. And that's honestly where the Bucs have been the best is when Brady is calling the plays, which goes back to their issues uh, with their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich. So 
I think one way you could convince him to stay is that if uh, if Byron Leftwich is let go at the end of the season and they bring in an offensive coordinator to Brady's liking, but ultimately, I think he's ready to move on, play for another team that has a little bit more structure, a little bit more of uh, you know weapons on both sides of the ball on offense and defense. So I think he keeps playing, just not with the Bucks. All right, are you, are you in the prediction business, Matt? You making a prediction on this game, or is that not your cup of tea? Yeah, we have a, a weekly story on Fridays where we, we where we give our prediction in the game. Um, I haven't come up with a total score yet, but I, I, I'm definitely picking the Bengals to win this one again because I just I don't think that the Bucks offense can keep up with what Cincinnati can do on the offensive side of the ball. The Bucks defense just doesn't get turnovers anymore. They don't get interceptions, and that's what stopped their defense from being great. They're good right now, but they're not great because they're not they're not creating enough turnovers. So I'm gonna say the Bengals win this one. If I'm gonna throw out a score, I would say Bengals 27, Bucks 14. They just don't score a lot. I don't see that yeah. changing on Sunday. All right, look, uh, last thing, and I know you watch a lot of football, not just Tampa Bay Buccaneers football, but 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 Tampa Bay is one of the few teams in the league um, that after this Sunday will have played the Bills, the Chiefs, and the Bengals. And most people feel like those are the top three contenders. I know a lot of people put Baltimore in that group, but with all of their issues at quarterback and health at, lack thereof, health at quarterback, uh, who knows? Um, if you had to pick one of those three teams to go to the Super Bowl, which one would you pick? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs because I think, I mean, they're all three teams, their offenses are incredible. But I think what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, especially since they lost Tyreek Hill, and it looks like that their offense like hasn't really missed a beat. I think that's really impressive what they've done. The Bills are just, again, a very talented team, but I think they're so reliant on Josh Allen, where Josh Allen has to be great every single week. And if he's not great, then the team suffers a little bit. I will say, I think the Bills probably have the best defense when fully healthy, but, you know, their safety got hurt. Von Miller got hurt. I know the Chiefs defense struggled against the Broncos last week, but they seem to turn it up in, you know, the big crunch time moment. So I'm going to pick the Kansas City Chiefs. Wouldn't rule out the Bengals either. Obviously, Joe Burrow's a fascinating player, and the defense probably deserves more credit than most people give it. But if I have to pick one, I'm picking the Chiefs. Okay. I mean, you're well aware, Matt. I mean, you're an educated guy. Bengals have beaten the Chiefs three times in this calendar year. Yeah. No, yeah, that's absolutely true. But um, it's tough to argue that point. I would just say try beating Mahomes a fourth time. I think that's, <laughs> okay, really that's fair you enough. Know? That's fair <laughs> enough. That's a great point. Matt, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much for joining us. And the best of luck on everything. And a, an early Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. Merry Christmas to you as well. And uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. You do the same. Looking forward to uh, the Buccaneers and the Bengalis. How about that? He's good. He's good. He's, He's good. great. Guy's great. I'll be interested to see if he, uh, and look, one game, he's not going to change his tune. Um, Bengals have proven they can go on the road and beat Kansas City. They beat him in the AFC Championship game last year. You don't want to make a living doing that. No. Um, and so, I, you know, you heard Paul Doherty, and, and we've talked about it, fellas, uh, and we'll talk more about it today, that if the Bengals went out 
Now, you would need Kansas City to lose another game somewhere along the line. What's the rest of Kansas City's schedule, by the way? I'm pulling it up right now. It's uh, – I got it. You got it? Yep. So, they play the uh, Texans. All right, so let's start here. That is a Lance – I mean, the, the Cowboys fans probably thought the same thing last week. But, I mean, you know, let's face it. Kansas City's going to kill Houston. All right, next. Seahawks, Christmas Eve. Where is that game? In Kansas City. When? Christmas Eve. Broncos, New Year's Day. Where? Kansas City. All right, what's the last game? This is the last hope. <laughs> the Raiders. Oh, my God. At Vegas, though. That's the saving grace right there. Dang it. You don't want to go to a Legion Stadium on January 8th. Everybody knows that. <laughs> if there's one thing we know about this league... It said nobody goes to Allegiant Stadium in week 18 and wins a game. There is a very sliver of a chance. There's the smallest chance that the Bengals could get first place with that. I mean, Seahawks really are the only team I can see. And then maybe Broncos, just by the way that they played last week. But I, I don't know, man. That's, that's tough to ask. Chiefs are winning out. Let's be real. Yeah. Fellas, if you're wondering, just for the record, and go. this is another little nugget. We got into the whole Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes thing, and Tom Brady, and blah, 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 blah. Patrick Mahomes, in his short career, short. is 25-3 and three inside his division. 25-3. and three. And to put that in perspective, and this isn't laying the blame on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has lost three division games this season. Patrick Mahomes has lost three in five years. And that's not a bad division. Let's get Patrick Mahomes in the AFC North and see how he does. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a fair point. But I mean, look. The Chargers have had some decent teams. Denver through the years has had some decent teams. The Raiders. So I, I just want to also point this out. Because um, you, you 25 talked about, and 3. <laughs> you talked about I mean, that's insane. You talked about how Tom Brady and, and the Patrick Mahomes debate, uh, they, the winning argument, like how many wins do they have? Tom Brady in the AFC East was 90 and 22. Yeah. I mean, oh. I what mean, was Ben Roethlisberger inside of the AFC North? That that I wait till you hear this number. This number's sick. Pull that bad boy up. And while you're doing that, let me just uh for the record, going back to October of 2020. Patrick Mahomes has lost one game in the division, and that was in September of 2021. He lost to the Chargers, 44-27. You look at these numbers. This guy, this cat has put up in these games. I mean, it's just ridiculous. His team scored 42, 34, 43, 35, 44, 47, 50, 44, 45. I mean, good Lord. And now we're hoping that the Raiders or the Broncos 
are going to knock off Mahomes and the Chiefs. Broncos. <laughs> Broncos hey, maybe, country. Yeah. Let's ride. Hey, the Broncos played them pretty good last week. Maybe the Broncos. They maybe. played them pretty good last week. That was a 42 to uh, 20. What was it? 42 to 28 game. It was 34 28. Is that what it was? Yep. Really? Yep. 34 28. Oh, okay. All right. Let me let me pull up exactly what happened. Okay. But Ben I, Ben Roethlisberger was 71 24 and one against the AFC. Say that again. 71 24 and one. So right around what Brady was with the man AFC. Big East. Ben. Um, okay. So, you know, he had a lot of interesting things to say there about Tampa Bay. Um, starting with, if there's one thing they've been able to hang their hat on the entire year, and we brought it up yesterday, seven times this year, the Tampa Bay defense has allowed 20 points or fewer in a game. Seven times. That's really good. But now all of a sudden, as he pointed out, their best corner, not playing. We know about Antoine Winfield Jr., the son of the great Antoine Winfield Sr. Boy, what a player that guy was. Um, he's out. Best safety. Vita Vea. Took him a little while to get going. Number one pick out of Washington. But he has become a legitimate force. A DJ Reader-like player. And, and Vea is even bigger than Reader. The guy goes, goes 320, 330. Something insane. A t- Tony Siragusa kind of guy. And, um, and now he's out. So even though the Bengals have all these injuries, and who's going to play and who's not going to play remains to be seen. We mentioned earlier, limited was the word uh, in practice yesterday for Osai, Trent Taylor, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Limited in practice. But it's a, it's a Wednesday practice. At the end of the day, who cares? You guys look like you have something important on your mind over there. Did we, Casey? Um, I'm just sending – I am just working on sending over something to Mr. Paul here. Oh. For the show. All right. Oh. Well, why don't you guys circle back on what you started when I ran out to I'm, Mother Nature's calling? Were we, were we circling back on anything, Casey, or were we well, – I was just going to talk about the Thursday night game. All right. Let's talk okay, about well, the Thursday let's night game. Let's get into it. Let's go. It's a good – you know what? Finally, and, and, and Tom, I don't – want to put you on the spot here please do all right well then i will (laughs) long as it's not about august of 2020 we're good i i will not all right you think al michaels regrets going to thursday night football no because of that check he's cashing but not a chance are you kidding me god these guys his age are getting run off and they're hiring these young guys uh for pennies on the dollar uh, and Al Michaels is still better than all of them. Doesn't matter who they are. He's the best in the business, bar none, uh, as far as football is concerned, in my opinion. And that's not taking anything away from the Joe Bucks and the Jim Nances or whoever else you like in the world out there. There are a lot of really good ones out there. Why would you think he is uh, because of the schedule? Yeah, just yeah. The, he just seems uh, not enthused. He just doesn't seem himself. Well, I, got- I love Al. I love Al. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I think he is the best. I love Al. I, I've him and Chris together, and I think Herb Street's done a decent job. I, I mean, people were very critical of him in the beginning of the year, but he also just didn't know the NFL as well as he knew college football from covering it the last twenty plus sure. years. Yeah. So it just took him a little while to get the chemistry, get to know the league as as well as you need to know the league to be in that job. I think Kirk Kirk is doing a good job, but 
man, Tom, I feel like every week, and I'll say this, if you've listened to the show, you know, I'm a cable guy. I don't like streaming games. And when I get into having to switch off of, like tonight, for example, if I'm watching a college basketball game, there, there's a couple of good games tonight. I'm watching a game. I just want to be able to click over and, and turn on a game. Now, tonight's a better Thursday night game with the 49ers and the Seahawks. But not being able to just flick back and forth to the NFL Network or whatever, or ESPN or whatever channel right. it is. Having to go into the Prime app, open up the game, then get back out of the app and watch whatever else I'm doing. I just, I know that sounds really stupid, but I just don't want to go through the effort to a lot of these games this year. They've just stunk so bad. I tell you, they're surprised. You may have seen the story that came out the other day. Uh, even Prime is surprised at how well those games are doing. Oh, I'm sure they're doing um, and, well. And, and, and look, uh, I talked about it earlier. You know, I, I get together with buddies of mine every Thursday night. and We'll, we'll hit this joint or that joint somewhere close. Um, and it's so expensive for the bar owners. Uh, unless you've got some places just making a ton of cash. And, I, and, and most of the time, I'm going with places, my buddies, where, you know, it's peanut shells on the floor. It's kind of joints we like. And, um, and, and, and they're just not paying for it. So you walk in. I, I tell you the better question for me, and I'll talk to him about it at the end of the year. He's never going to come out publicly. Paul, to your point, um, what about Aikman and Buck? I mean, you look at their schedule this year, and look, you're at the mercy of injuries. You're at the mercy of, of teams that you thought were going to be good going straight south. But, man, you know, I, I was sitting around the other day and looking at this. You go back four weeks ago. Their game on Monday Night Football, which when the season comes out, unlike Sunday Night Football, they can't flex games out on Monday night. They're stuck with what they got, okay? They had Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. Brutal game. Neither team going anywhere, right? Yep. The week after that, they get New Orleans at Tampa Bay. Now, you thought at the beginning of the year it might be a good game. Tampa Bay stinks. It turned out to be a thrilling game. But, I mean, compared to what they were doing at 425 on Sundays, forever and a day, um, they have New England at Arizona the week after that. Okay, you got a storyline there, New England trying to hang around, right? This week, you have the Rams and Green Bay. Ugh. Brutal it's game. Brutal. Week 16, you have the Chargers at the Indianapolis Colts. Chargers are hanging in there. Well, I understand, but you know what I'm getting yeah. at here, okay? And then... They finally have a great matchup, Monday Night Football here, of course, Buffalo at Cincinnati. And um, the last they, they don't have another game after that. Their season is over. Um, regular season is over. Yeah, they've only really had three or four good Monday night games. All year long. All year long. All year long. Uh, and that's what happens when, look, you're the TV executives or you're the league with the TV executives. And, you know, the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champs. Huge market. You think they're going to be good. Green Bay, unbelievable drawing power coast to coast. You think they're going to be good. Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, you know. We're and gonna, now look at it, both of them. We're going to pull a clip up right here. I, I love, I know Joe Buck has caught a lot of flack over the years for how he has broadcasted games. 
I love Joe Buck. Yeah. Joe Buck is one of my favorite broadcasters of all time. For sure. Now, does he say that every pass – I get a kick out of every ball that's as a, as a home run is back at the wall – and every pass in the NFL, the pass is caught. It's the same call every time. But I still just – his cadence, yep. his rhythm for the game, the way – he has a big game voice. Yep. But he never shows a ton of emotion. Did you see this clip? No. From the other day? Casey, pull this up. This is awesome. The weather is beautiful in Tampa, Florida. It's week 13. Good matchup in the NFC South. It's December. Can you believe it? Already December. Bucks and Saints coming up. There he is, all eyes on 12. He's ready to go. Look, he's going to prove it. Yeah, let's, let's go. I can't say one. Yeah, I can't say one of those words. Mike Evans, what's going on with that combo with Tom Brady? They better figure that out here down the stretch. There he is, the red rifle. Got that beard all tucked into that chin strap, ready to go. <laughs> Tenth consecutive start for the Saints. And Alvin Kamara had two fumbles last week. Looking for a big night tonight. And the weather is beautiful. I mean, I've good never, stuff. I've never heard him show that much emotion in years. And he just, I don't know if maybe he just thought, well, it's a Bucks. What's this game going to look like? Why not? Or what? Or ESPN told him to. Got to sell it. Just just to sell it. But that was, I was just so good to hear Joe, what you know, like that on the open. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I love Joe. Oh, so he's great. He's I mean, he's fantastic. He's just a fantastic announcer. One of the, and, and without a doubt, is going to go down. I mean, it's not even going to be close. Will go down as the most decorated, the greatest career of any broadcaster in sports television history. And it will not even be close. I think that Dick Enberg probably was that guy. Um, and, and, and I mean, Joe, he's going to end up doing whatever it is, 20 Super Bowls and 25 World Series and, you know, whatever else. And, um, and yeah, I mean, he, he, him and Aikman make a great team. But, um, you know, when they were doing those Sunday games on Fox, the doubleheader, so what they were doing is when Fox had the rights up until this year of the Thursday night game, Troy and Joe would do that game on Thursday night. If Fox had the doubleheader weekend where they had a 425 game, normally the big game in the NFL, 425, they would work on Sunday. If Fox was not the doubleheader weekend, that belonged to CBS, then Joe and Troy would not work on Sunday. They wouldn't do a 1 o'clock game. Um, that was a lot of work. I used to talk to Chris Collinsworth about that and what that was like, doing a game on Thursday night uh, and then turning around and doing a game on Sunday you're gone all the time, and uh, it, it, it was, it's a lot of work if you're going to do it right. You have something to uh, say here, Case? Yeah, so I, I just wanted to look at the next the, – the rest of the season for Thursday night, Monday night, and Sunday night football. And I know there's like Christmas sprinkled in there and other things like that. But to me, I only see tonight's game for Thursday night football and, and maybe the last week. Dallas at Tennessee, but Tennessee's been blah. Yeah. Then Monday night football, the final Monday night football, Bills versus Bengals. That's going to be a good one. And there's no more Sunday night football games I really want to watch. It's Patriots versus Raiders. Well, that can be that can be flexed. It, yeah, out. it can be yeah. flexed. Just, None of those games will make the cutting board. I'm just saying, like as it as it stands right now, there's only like two or three more primetime games that I'm like, okay, I'll I'll watch the, the Bills and. And Bengals, I, I plan on making enough money 
uh, January 1st to go to that game. So I'm not going to be able to watch that, uh, watch that game live on, on TV. But Well, look, here's the deal. You, th- those games you just mentioned, there is zero chance that they will end up uh, because the NFL, uh, nobody does it better when it comes to putting or, or trying to put uh, your best product in prime time. Uh, they have agreements with all the television networks in their multiple contracts that, you know, six days out, this happens, this happens, this happens on a Sunday. That game that we had on Sunday night, that's being shot off to CBS for a one o'clock game that'll go to 4% of the country and we're putting on fill in the blank. You know, I was trying to explain to my son yesterday because he was talking about that last game of the year, that last Sunday. What is that, the Week ninth? Week, oh, the eighth. The eighth, okay. Um, I was explaining to him that he said, well, you know, if it means a divisional championship, NBC will want the Bengals and the Ravens on Sunday night. Uh, In theory, that would probably be the best game. But what NBC shoots for, and they've proven this year after year after year, okay, if there is a win and you're in, lose and you're out game in the NFL. And by the time we get down to the last week of the season, there might be three or four of those. Not necessarily for both teams. That's what you hope for. And they've had a few of those in the past where the winner is in and the loser is out to win a division championship. They had teams under 500 out in the NFC West one year and they carried, I think it was the Rams and the Seahawks or somebody like that. Two brutal teams. But it was one is in, the other's out depending on who wins and loses. So that's what NBC will be looking for. So, for example, you know, you could have the, the Carolina Panthers and whoever they play the last game of the year. Let's just assume it's not Tampa Bay or Atlanta, uh, where it's, you know, one's in, one's out. Uh, but that's the kind of game they want on the air for Sunday night football, where all the drama of one team having to win a game to get into the playoffs. Uh, they would rather have that than they would – most people across the country would rather watch, say, the Bengals and the Ravens to determine who's going to be uh, the AFC North champ uh, with implications on who could be the number one seed, the number two seed in the AFC playoffs. They don't always take the best game is a point I am in a very long-winded way saying. They don't take the best game. They're picking the game that has the most on the line. Yeah, and I... I need to correct myself here as well. They flexed out the New England-Las Vegas game from the Sunday night game to 405, and they replaced it with New York versus Washington. Well, there you go. So that, that to me, is a little bit more entertaining. I still think both teams are not very – not great, but they they're both have winning records or are going to try to fight for that playoff spot. So to your point, that is more of a – must watch because that has playoff implications. Sure. So for both teams, not just one. So yeah, I, that that that's a better game. Um, I don't know if they flexed anything else because um, I really don't know if we want to watch Tampa versus Arizona next week on Sunday night. Well, they've already played Tampa and Arizona. They're not playing again, right? Or are they still in next Sunday night right now? Is that still that, the game? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That was Arizona playing uh, who they play. I just said it a minute ago. They were on the other night. Oh, yeah. Uh, Patriots. Yeah, the pa- I'm sorry. So go ahead. Yeah, so I, I'm i just looking ahead just so we can play this game a little bit. Um, 
the, the, the games that are not on Sunday. Actually, there's a ton of uh, a ton of so the, the the not this week, but the following week. So this is Christmas week. Ton of Christmas Eve games. So they're probably not going to change those, right? They wouldn't flex the Christmas schedule. No, no, no. That, that one they won't touch. There's too many okay. things involved there with Christmas and the holiday and families and schedules. No, that's not changing. Yeah, so we're, we're done. We're, we're done set with Tampa Bay and Arizona, Denver, Los Angeles, and Green Bay at Miami for Christmas Day. Um, Christmas Eve is what it is. Um, it's got the full slate of normal games. Uh, Saturday night. Uh, Christmas Eve night is Vegas versus Pittsburgh. That's terrible. Yeah, but again, oh, come they're on. Not, but, but like, again, they're not changing. Steel curtain. They're not changing it. And the Raiders. Yeah, the following week it. is the interesting week because they're going to keep the Saturday game or the Thursday game, Dallas and Tennessee, as you mentioned. Okay, so yep. now, right now, and they have to do this six days before. So, in other words, on the last Sunday of December, once all of those games are played, the TV execs get on the horn with the league, and NBC says, okay, we want to flex this game out. So right now, you know there's zero chance that the Rams and the Chargers are going to be the Sunday night game on January the 1st. Some could argue the Chargers are in the hunt. That's fine. But when you start looking at some of the other games around the league, uh, Carolina and Tampa Bay. Yeah. Could be a far more important game. Miami at New England yep. could be a very important game. I was looking at New York at Seattle. I don't know if New York Jets will win another game. But, but again, two uh, right, are... right. Uh, so th that kind of game. So now you skip forward again to the last, last weekend of the season, okay? And what they do is, is all the games are listed as TP, uh, TBD, to yep. be determined. So the Sunday night, they don't have a Sunday night game. So the illustration I brought up about the Bengals and Ravens, could that be the Sunday night game? Could be. But when you start looking around and the way things are playing out, you've got Tampa, Atlanta. That could be in or out. Yep. Right? Right. You have New England, Buffalo. It could be New England in or New England out. Right. You get a look at Buffalo. Buffalo's got seeding issues too. That's exactly right. You have – if I were a betting man, and I'm running, no, not a betting man. If I were NBC, the game that I would want the most that last Sunday night would be the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. That would be the game that I want. I want that to be a game where Detroit, who's starting to gain steam as the underdog Cinderella story, a lot of people are really excited about what they got going on there. It's a huge city with a huge football viewership marketing. And then you have the potential intrigue of that game being at Lambeau and Aaron Rodgers' last game at Lambeau as a Green Bay Packer. Speak it into existence, Tom. You know how I love now, is that Lions not talk. sex appeal for you right oh, there? Yeah. I love the Lions. I love them. That's so sex appeal if you're NBC, right? I mean, these other games are fine. I mean, everybody knows the Bengals and the, and, and the Ravens are going to be in the playoffs. There's a lot of people that are just worn out by New England. They're really a tired team to watch. They might get in the playoffs, but, the, you know, Giants and Eagles. I mean, the Eagles are going to bench everybody for that game. Uh, you can make the argument New York gets in or, you know, with a win, it's New York. I get it. 
But the intrigue of, of, and I have no inside information that this is going to be Aaron Rodgers' last season as a Green Bay Packer, but boy, doesn't it feel like that? It yeah. does. It does. Yeah. It's like Matt said with Tampa Bay, you kind of see the writing on the wall. Yeah, there's just so much turmoil that's going on for him this season. Not good for the older guys this year. So- Tom, I I don't necessarily mean to change the subject, but I am because I want to get back to something you were talking about before. We we were talking about Al Michaels and and Joe Buck and broadcasting these games, and I wanted to ask you, when you got into baseball season and and there was the overlap between the NFL and Major League Baseball for you, was it it hard balancing that? Like, no. Between the games, between – you know, because you've talked a lot on this show about preparing for the NFL, you know, how hard it is to prepare for an NFL game yeah. and how much work goes into preparing for an NFL game and everything like that. You've laid that out before. But I'm just curious, when you have baseball, you have NFL, you have to travel back and forth to both teams. I mean, what, what does that look like? Well, I mean, you just got you just got to be more disciplined in, 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 in you know, like, like a lot of people in their jobs and their days and their families and careers, whatever it might be. You just have to be more disciplined in your time allotment. So, you know, if the Reds, for example, uh, back in those days, say they're playing a three-game series in Milwaukee on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, and they're off on Thursday, okay, I'm not going to be there Friday because I'm traveling to my NFL game. Well, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, when you wake up at the Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee, okay, you know, you get up, try to work out like around 7, get that done, and then basically you're holed up in your room uh, from, you know, from 11 in the morning till say like 1 o'clock starting to build out your board you do that three days in a row my goal was always to try and get the board done by thursday so then i didn't have to look at it i didn't have to look at it until saturday uh because you're worn out getting ready to, to do it but no it was, it was I mean, are you kidding me um it, it, it was it, it was the greatest setup in the world and you wouldn't trade anything in the world for it you know what i mean yeah I mean, hear Dan Hoard talk about this all the time. And we ask him about how busy he is and running around in airports and, you know. Uh, but you wouldn't trade it for the world. Not for a second. The, the only thing you don't want to do is fly out of Newark. They shut down TSA on Sundays at Newark at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. If you want to see Chris Spielman go through the roof, all you have to say is Newark TSA. Thanksgiving weekend, they closed TSA at Newark at 5 p. on a Sunday. Can you imagine that? You ever been to Newark on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday night? It, it, it's, it's O'Hare. Not quite, but it's close. They're not shutting it down at O'Hare at 5 o'clock. <laughs> but I, mean, I used to get Giants games all the time and of course Newark is the closest airport to the Meadowlands where the game is but just because of that reason you would schedule flights out of LaGuardia or JFK just to stay away from Newark Sir Boy Wonder says Tom why are you so heated about Newark TSA because it took <laughs> it took hours off my life sir boy wonder it really really did all right what else we got to talk about today Uh, we can teach you something if you want all right let's take a break all right but which by the way 
Okay, I'm taking these to my 17-year-old son on a daily basis now, okay? Yeah. I was driving here this morning, and he talked about something that was, like, really cool, right? And I said, boy, that thing slaps. He said, what did you just say? I said, that thing slaps. He says, Dad, that... I don't know where you got that. He says, but you're not using it correctly. And I said, really? And he was trying to explain. He said, did you say slapped as an ED on the, I said, no, because we put it up on the board yesterday in teaching Tom that it's just slap, right? Slaps. Uh, on the board, I thought we just put up slap. Well, it wasn't yeah. as, okay. All right. Okay. So maybe that's what he meant. That could be. Do you always have to say with the S on the end? Yeah, yeah. It can't, it can't be just the P. There's okay. got to be an S at the end. And then he said to me, you know, we, we've talked about some of the other words, and one being drip, right? Drip. Yeah. All of you know what that means. You're all drip. And now I do. Um, but, you know, we got into the whole thing about Joe Burrow and his outfits that he wears to the stadium. Right? Yeah. He always has something going on. Right? He's always looking good. Now, you, now, your definition of drip, correct me if I'm wrong here, drip is in the eyes of the beholder, is it not? Yeah, yeah. It's like I thought that maroon suit he wore a week ago was tired. I'm not a big maroon suit guy, all right? Now, that might make me an old man. That's fine. But th there's no tie to the Bengals in maroon. There's no tie to Joe Burrow in maroon. I mean, you know, Scarlett, when he was at Ohio State, that's not maroon. Uh, LSU has no maroon. The Bengals have no maroon. So, and maybe that's not his idea. But is, is that correct in that drip is in the eyes of the beholder? Sure, yeah. You could think I have drip. Or not. <laughs> or not. Or not, yeah. But, Tom, before you go... It it just is too fitting that you bring up drip and outfits. Yes. We got to do the teaching time. Right, we got to do now. it before the break. Before the break? We got yeah, to do, do, do it. We got to do it right now. Um, there's one of those that goes around on the internet. Joe Burrow. Joe Scheist. Joe what? Is that the word? Is that the hip word? I don't even know what to say. What? When a viewer tells me that I'm trying to be hip and I'm not as hip as I think I am, that hurts. <laughs> All right, fellas, what do we have today? What do you think this means, Tom? Fit. Exercise a lot. Stay in good shape. That's what it means to me, but I'm sure that's not where we're going. No, that's not quite where we were <laughs> going with it. So, a oh, a fit, it's good. It's just short for outfit. You close, you put together to create a total look, as in Tom's fit is fire today. Not necessarily. This is an old and tired shirt, much like myself. But you know, it wears well. It's been around for a long time and, and continues to hold up. That's why buy quality if you can. Buy quality. It'll last forever. You won't have to replace it two or three times. Spend a little extra money the first time. It'll last forever. So short for outfit. Okay. So, um, so see... So, um, the Bearcats...
fits last night. They have the, the old school Cats jerseys on, right? First time they've won in those, by the way. They were 0-2 in those last year. That, is that apropos? Is that the way yeah. you, you say it? Yeah. Can you say fits to, you know, plural? Yeah, sure. All right. Okay. Do you, guys, do you guys use that word regularly? Tell the truth. Use that a lot? I mean, you know, you say to your buddy, yeah. or, or you say, hey, her fit is unbelievable. I mean, that kind of thing? Uh, <laughs> no. Nah, I, I mean, you can. Why, why are you it's laughing more, at it, that question? Okay, a woman okay. can have a great outfit on. No, no. It's just, it's, just yeah. a, it's just the way you said it was just. It was just funny. It was just like your son. Like, I'm picturing you having a conversation with your son about this, and now I am envisioning how this all went down, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. Because this is the same thing I do with my parents. Yeah, it's more of like a uh, friend-to-friend like -friend interaction where you're saying, like, you know, your fit is <laughs> – I'm not even going to go there. I'm just it, – it, it's more of, like – I don't know how. how so, so you know, I mean, my generation, um, we don't. Well, I'm, I think you know that's not entirely true. Maybe you're going somewhere and you're dressing up and going out with your wife somewhere, and guy shows up in a nice sport coat. And you're like, wow, man, that's a good looking coat. So, in other words, it's a guy to guy thing. If I'm hearing you right, it correct? Could, yeah, it could be a girl to girl thing too. Okay, but 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 rarely does it cross over. The example I gave a moment ago. If I'm sitting next to you at a bar. Right. And some lady's got a great looking outfit on. Forget how she looks or build. I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying she's just really well put together. I don't say to you as one man to another friend to friend, I don't say, man, her fit is lights out. No, probably not. No, I, I wouldn't. I would well, use it like that. <laughs> what? I am 1000% on Saturday when I see my friends saying, Yo, man, that fits lights out. That fits. I'm using You're that. not answering my question about. Uh, uh, you, I mean, you could. But that's not. If we're teaching Tom. Yeah. I want to be able to say that basically about a buddy of mine. He's got a new shirt on. Oh, hey, yeah. man, that, that fit you got going. Yeah, see there, yeah. boom. Okay. That's Great. perfect. Okay. And if you really, Tom, now I know you're taking the training wheels off here, so I don't want to get too far over our skis, but you could go. Drip and fit in the same sentence. We don't need to. We don't need look. You could use slaps too. All right. Yeah. Now, what does this mean? Andrew says, "What does this mean? What does this mean?" I, I want to get back to what you were getting ready to say, but I don't want to lose him on the screen. Okay. What does this mean if it says Tom is so based? We'll get. We'll, look. we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. That's another. Is guy. that a slam or oh, is yeah. that a? No, it's good. Ish. Eh. Ish. Ish. We fit. The way he's using it, I would say it's it's probably good. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm so glad we did this. We have a lot in the chat that people keep talking about uh, baseball uh, today. See, baseball's not dead. Yeah. Tom, uh, I have uh... – wait, there was somebody in here. Oh, AJ. AJ wants to know what's Paul gambling on this weekend. I'm retired. Oh, you're not retired. So, well, you, you have your show today, though, right? I do. Yeah, we're picking every bowl game today. Every game? Every, all 40-some bowl games, Reed and I are going to pick today. Boy, how about Doc facetiously talking about, are you going to watch the Fenway Bowl? The Wasabi Bowl. Wasabi. Wasabi Fenway Bowl. I'm going to watch, I mean, I, I, you know, I shouldn't say I'll watch it. I don't know if I will or not. 
Seth wants to know, is Mike going to be on the show? Mike will be on the show, 12.05. He already sent me his pick list. It's long. All right, there you go. It's mighty. I'm going to have to check that out because we're making our picks tomorrow. We're going to do this on a weekend or daily basis. All the bowl games crank up, and there are basically bowl games every single day starting tomorrow. Yeah. Miami of Ohio plays. Yeah, they played 11.30. So we switched around our not-too-picky schedule a little bit. So today is our last like real gambling show for the year. The next four shows leading into New Year's, we're going to do Sports Gambling 101 segments for people that don't really know how it all works. You hear us talk a lot about it on the show. Uh, basically, if you, if you don't know what we're talking about, if you've been sitting up here listening to it. So this is our last real chance to go on and, and pick every bowl game. So we're going to do all of that today, but here on Off the Bench – we will be picking every bowl game as it happens. So we're not going to sit here and pick 48 bowl games or however many there are. We're not going to do – I think there's 43. We're not going to do that all today. Yeah. Um, but we will uh, – we'll, we'll do it every – like this – tomorrow's show we'll pick every game through the weekend. Yeah, yeah you're right. And then right, Monday right, we'll right. pick the one on Monday. Right, you know, that's right. Go, go from there. Yeah, because basically every single day, almost every single day, starting tomorrow from now through um, January – first second you will have a college football bowl game on all right we're gonna take a break um i might have to change my fit during the commercial break we're back in a moment Wait, kind so, of yeah so we're, we're you can go on ahead you can go all right so am i tossing it to you am i saying something we're switching around our breaks now uh later in the show we're going to use press conferences from this week so People aren't listening to commercials Beautiful. every time. So, All right. Yeah. We had Joe Burrow and Wes Miller to listen to All right, right now. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, that's my entire life. I don't remember. I mean, he was, he was drafted when I was four. So my entire all – my, all my memories of NFL football have him in it. He gets the ball out really fast. You know, he understands what he's looking at. Um, you know, I think he epitomizes toughness at the quarterback position. You know, he's a great leader. I mean, he's the greatest of all time for a reason. He's the total package. It's our 14th game of the season. You know, it, uh, obviously, you know, the greatest quarterback ever is on the other side. But, you know, we got a job to do, too. And our job is to go and win, get to 10-4, and four and, and move on. Yeah, it is what it is. You don't really pay attention to it. He's Tom, and I'm Joe. Um, really good defense. they got a lot of talent at every single level. Got a lot of respect for their coaching staff. Casey Rogers worked with him at Miami. Um, Todd Bowles was there before I got there, and, and just everybody raved about how good he was. Faced them a lot over the over my NFL career. And so they always put their guys in a great position. They play really hard. Um, but really, if you just look at every level of this defense, you know, the front line guys are, put a lot of pressure um, on your run game and, and on your quarterback and the pass protections. Their two backers on the second level are, are you know, as, as good a tandem as there is, I think they've played every single snap this year. You know, there's other guys, uh, they've taken every snap. And then in the secondary, um, I know the safeties have been banged up, but it's a really solid group from top to bottom. Um, the corners have been really impressive. You know, Carlton Davis has, has just done a great job over his time there. And, and uh, I know they're kind of going through some nickels, but they, they've got a lot of talent there. And, and we'll see who plays and who doesn't. But, man, top to bottom, it's, it's a really impressive defense. You can see why they've had success over the years that they've had. Um, they really put a lot of pressure on the offense to make it very difficult. Like we can be a pretty good team, and there were some really good moments running, sharing the ball tonight. Uh, I want more defensively. I thought there were some good stretches. Um, 
the collective effort and will for the most part was was okay uh i want more like i you know the, these guys showed what they're capable of from a focus and effort passion standpoint in the second half against xavier and it's my job to hold them to that standard every second and uh so i want a little more there but there were some really good possessions and some good things defensively um i don't like that we got out rebounded you know i thought there were times the shot went up and we're kind of looking just looking at the ball in the air as opposed to boxing out the right way and a, a lot of it was on the defensive board um you know hats off to to my Ohio and, and Travis's group because they they do run some good stuff and they make you guard long into possessions with the Princeton offense and they're a really good shooting team so long shots long rebounds but I, I still think you know we got to we get we, we can be a really good rebounding team we've done that at times that was kind of one of the things that stuck out to me a little bit that I didn't like but it's good to get a win after the way we felt in here a couple of days ago and we got to get back on the practice floor tomorrow and uh, and keep trying to get better well first off you know I I'm thrilled about it. You know, I'd prefer not to sit here and talk about me, um, but I'm thrilled about it. And uh, like, this is where I want to be. This is home. Like, this is now my home. Like, I love it here. So I'm thrilled and truly appreciative of President Pinto and John Cunningham. Like, deeply appreciative, and and the people here that are supporting our program. Like, it. it, it this is home now. And and that's just a, a step in in the right direction for me and our staff. So I'm thrilled about it. You know, from a timing standpoint, there's no bad timing for something like that to happen. And I, I mean, I'm deeply thankful for these kids, the way they're letting us coach them and believing in us, and, and the, the administration believing in us. Deeply thankful. Um, and it's 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 just solidifies more that this is home. I don't want to be anywhere else. So I'm thankful for people making that happen. Ted, I, I, I really like uh, listening to him talk. Um, you know, his style is, is a little bit different. Uh, he doesn't come across as passionate a lot of times. I uh, say nearly as passionate as you hear Sean, uh, who's a, you know, Pittsburgh, gruff and tough kind of guy and great player and, you know, all that kind of stuff, as was Wes for that matter, really good player. Um, but I, I, there's something I really like about Wes Miller. I hope everything works out for him. You were down there last night. Yep. Um, I heard some people talking um, about, uh, you know, did you see figure something out? I heard his postgame show, Wes Miller's postgame show, with Dan Horton and Terry Nelson on the radio after that loss to Xavier in the shootout on Saturday. And he talked about playing a combination that he had not played all year long. I don't know if it was a couple big guys together. Or, you know, yeah. help me with that. And, and, and they were thinking or wondering uh, on the radio before the game last night, is there a chance the Bearcats and Wes Miller figured something out about their team? Yeah, well, the last three halves of basketball they've played between the second half of the shootout and then the two halves last night were incredible. They scored 50 points in the first half, 53 points in the second half last night. Now – the little caveat on that is that Miami is the eighth worst defensive team in the entire country. They're 355th. Uh, I, I knew that Miami was bad defensively, but seeing it in person last night, it was very clear. I mean, they were getting beat on straight line drives to the hoop. They couldn't guard any, anybody in a pick and I mean, it was, it was bad last night, but a credit to UC. Um, they were a couple of the guys were sitting up there in the post game press conference and they were asked about, 
well, what were you trying to do? Was there something that opened things up offensively? And, you know, it was the classic, well, you know, we were trying to play our game and we felt like we played it pretty well. And I thought that's a credit to them that, hey, look, we have a chance to go out here against a, a team that really isn't doing anything defensively, but we're just going to run our thing and, and treat it as best we can. And David and Julius is having a great season. But, yeah, UC looks, especially last night, they didn't feel like they were forcing anything. They were playing with good flow. They looked a whole lot better than they did uh, in that first half against Xavier where they looked really, really bad offensively. The second half of that shootout game and then the two halves last night looked really good. Now you have a couple more games here before uh, AAC play starts in, in two weeks. Right. They get LaSalle on uh, Saturday at home, we mentioned earlier. Um, what was, Paul, uh, you know, you talk to guys regularly, I know, uh, on your show, yep. uh, talking about uh, the whole uh, the, the news that came down. Uh, about Sean Miller being completely exonerated from any wrongdoing, uh, no suspension, no nothing about everything that went down at Arizona. Uh, he had assistant coaches that, uh, you know, uh, one guy I think went to jail. But um, th there had to be an incredible sense of relief. I, I, have, I, I had a conversation with a very prominent member of the media covering college basketball yesterday who said that, that uh, he would have bet a lot of money that, that the Xavier president and athletic director, when they hired Sean and did their due diligence and in looking into everything that went on and all the reports and information that they had, um, that, that he would have bet a lot of money that, that those guys would have been in shock if you'd have told them in the spring that Sean was not going to have any kind of suspension this year. So that's got to be a tremendous relief. Yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of uh, – and look, I didn't talk to anybody from Xavier yesterday. I, I know it was probably a, a really busy day down there, so I didn't want to reach out or put anybody in a bad spot or anything. I, I'm just pur purely speaking from kind of how I've looked at the situation from the outside and, and what I'm kind of picking up from it. And, you know, there's a sense that, yeah, you know, Sean, Sean did get off with this and he, he didn't get suspended. Now, I, I should say – the one little punishment that he get, which is funny that we, we talked about this yesterday, is that he did have to vacate 50 wins. So he will, in retrospect, have to win his 400th game a second time. Wow. He, he was at 430 wins um, because of the situation with Raleigh Alkins, which was what really brought all this to light. Because I tweeted a thread about this yesterday, and if, if you care enough, if you want to spend the time, it probably takes about 20 minutes to read it. But it lays out every detail of everything about this case from the very beginning, from when ESPN originally reported this story and from when that whole story got debunked with everything about DeAndre Ayton. But what ended up coming back to hurt Sean was the ineligibility, the retroactive ineligibility of Raleigh Alkins, who was a, a very prominent player for, for Sean at Arizona, and some of his eligibility issues, it was ultimately deemed that he was ineligible uh, to play college basketball. So his stats will be wiped away, and also the games that he played in will get wiped off of Arizona's all-time record and Sean's coaching record. So that's not a, a, a suspension. That's not really a, a notable punishment, you could say. It's something that's going to affect Sean going forward as far as coaching games. But if you want to look at something, it's not like he didn't get anything. But that was the only thing. Uh, but I, I did think that when you look at the way that this committee handled the uh, two cases that they had already adjudicated in Memphis and in Louisville, and neither one of them were given any kind of major punishment outside of slaps on the wrist from this committee, I'm not entirely surprised. I, I thought Sean would probably get two games. Yeah. 
but I was not surprised. Somebody asked me yesterday, what do you think he's going to get when, the, when it came out? I said, I, I think he'll probably get two games, but I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't get any, just based on how this committee had ruled so far. Now, the difference is, because a lot of people were trying to compare this to Kansas, the difference is that Kansas has five level one infractions leveled against them. This is not exactly apples to apples in the Kansas and Xavier cases. But what I will say is that if you are at Kansas right now, you're probably at least breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief, having seen now all three cases get handed down. And LSU will also come down. Now, Kansas and LSU might be after this, after this season is over. Um, we might not hear about them until after the season. It'll be next year. They've already said that. But I think the issue, um, you correct me if I'm yeah, wrong here, is, and, and, and you continue what you're going to say here in a sec. I'm just curious. So I don't think it's so much because after having this conversation yesterday with somebody very much in the know uh, and, and going back and reading through some of this stuff, uh, it, it seems like the NCAA at the end of the day does not want to five years later now penalize the group of kids who are playing on the Kansas basketball team, in this case, the Xavier basketball yeah. team, LSU, Louisville, whatever it might be, because those kids were in high school and all this stuff went down. Yeah. Right? And, and, and so I think it's more a, of a question of whenever they get around to determining um, what kind of punishment is going to be out there, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's primarily centered on the coach, head coach. Is well, that right? You mean what I'm saying is yesterday's yesterday's ruling was a ruling specifically on Sean Miller. Yes. Period. Uh, well, the next one down the road, like you're talking about far more severe accusations and findings, right? Yeah. The next one down the road, they're not going to penalize Kansas basketball. Well, I mean, although self's still there, but and they might take wins away like they did with Sean, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. But. The big question is going to be whether Self, and, and, and he took three games, Kansas took three games early in the year, but where they'll be, will there be more handed down to Bill Self? Yeah, I'll be very, very interested to see that. And the other thing that was interesting <laughs> from the committee that they talked about in this ruling yesterday is that they did say um, that they took into account Arizona's postseason, their self-imposed postseason ban they said they weighed that one year because arizona self-imposed a postseason ban a couple of years ago this committee said that they took that into account they said hey look you you've already served this punishment that you you banned yourself from the ncaa tournament that year and i think that's huge because if they if you're reading into that to say that if they hadn't done that that Arizona would have been banned from the NCAA tournament this year. Look at this Arizona team. Compared to that team that year, that team was good, but this team is really good. And so if you're an Arizona fan looking at this ruling and you're saying, well, maybe it, it worked out that we imposed that ban a couple of years ago because now you look at what this team is this year and a team that could compete for the national championship with the best front court in the entire country. I mean – I, to me, that, that again, I just think the entire ruling from this, from the NCAA, or, well, again, from the IARP, which is supposedly completely independent from the NCAA, I think what they did was they ruled on it logically. For the first time in a long time, they took into account their Arizona's own punishment, and they didn't, didn't punish the kids that weren't involved. That's in right. And that has been a huge issue for years that these kids that were in eighth grade or freshmen or yep. sophomores, 
that weren't even maybe being recruited by that school yet got punished for this. And, you know, it, it, it is a shame. It is a real shame that Book Richardson, who was the assistant coach that, if you followed this case for a long time, was really the big name of this story. He was the assistant on Sean's staff that really all of this got thrown at. Book served his time in jail. He did three months in jail for this, for things that are now legal. But he got a 10-year show cause penalty, which basically means, that when you boil it down, it means he can't coach for 10 years, basically. No, no program will hire a, an assistant coach with a, a show-cause penalty, and he got it for 10 years, which basically means his coaching career is done. Yeah. And that is a real shame because he's already been out of coaching. He's already been in jail. And they said, the, their ruling said that his 10-year show-cause wasn't necessarily because of what he did, that was part of it, but that he never cooperated with the committee. He never cooperated with the investigation. And so they gave him the penalty. There was another assistant coach that got a two-year show-cause as well. Um, I know this is way, way more than probably a lot of people care about uh, with this as, as far as all this, this case goes. Um, but there, there is you know, a significant portion of the city that, that cares about this, whether you're a Xavier fan or whether you're a Well, of course. A, a and I mean, you know, look, if this. you're Sean Miller and, and, and this has been hanging over your head, and it has, um, and it still hangs over Bill Self's head, uh, you talked about, you know, the assistant coaches. I mean, that, that, that whole thing with a 10-year ban for not cooperating. I mean, you know, that's the stuff that sends people off, off the reservation with the NCAA. Yeah. I mean, that's like, um, you know, it just goes to show, you know, they're their own independent agency and they can do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it. Uh, but that's like penalizing um, some defendant for not testifying. Yeah. Right? I yeah. mean, you're either guilty or you're not guilty. Yeah. And, and you're not going to be able to get away with punishing the guy because he didn't testify. Um, you know, they, they are the worst. And um, Well, speaking of actually the NCAA, they just named I was getting ready to say they got a new president today. Yep. Yeah, they named uh, – boy, that's all they need. Fits right in. Former governor. Of a governor. It's all you need. You get the academic people and you get a government person. Boy, now there's a recipe for really getting stuff done. My my guess is that good they, lord. My, my guess is that they wanted somebody uh, to be able to navigate the uh, NIL space because that's become so political now, and in, in the different states and and the uh, and and federally with Congress and how they're everybody's trying to handle this new wild west of the NFL um, or the NIL rather. It sounded like everybody that they targeted for this job, the, the NCAA president job, that they were looking for a politician to be able to handle. Well, they get actually this guy. In fairness to him, and his name is is Charlie Baker. Um, he's been the governor since January 2015, but his second term in January comes to an end, and so he starts a new post on March the first. Spent most of his career, as I mentioned, Massachusetts state government, but has spent a decade in healthcare administration. Uh, and he holds degrees from both Harvard and Northwestern. So he's worked in both, in fairness, uh, the public sector and the private sector. Uh, and the public sector most recently, and you, you definitely, this whole NIL thing, I don't know where that's going. I'm not sure anybody knows where all that's going. I mean, everybody's all in on, um, um, on, on the players getting paid. I think everybody universally agrees with that. But, or, or most people, not everybody, but most people. 
but but you know, I don't know if you read the story the other day about about uh, story came out out of Columbus, where there was some big time high school football recruit, where the University of Georgia was offering this guy basically through NIL legal. $1.8 million is a signing bonus and five or $750,000 a year over his time at Georgia. And that the best Ohio State could do was offer $500,000 a year and that's it. And this writer, of course, who it turns out is a Michigan alum. Uh, so it's like, you know, be a grain of salt with everything. Okay. Because of the conclusion of the article, the guy says after saying, Ohio State's not going to get any more great players. They're not going to be able to recruit anymore. He writes in the last sentence, by the way, I'm a Michigan man, and I hope all this is true. And, oh, by the way, on that same day that he wrote the story, on the same day he wrote it, yesterday Ohio State signed the number one receiver in the country for 2024 who's ranked as the second-best player in all of high school football. And who did the number one player sign with? Oh, Ohio State. Dominic Riola, quarterback out of Phoenix, Arizona. So they have the top two players in the 2024 class already committed. But they're not going to get good players anymore. From a Michigan man. Boy, I hope they get their tails kicked by TCU. (laughs) God, I hope oh, so brother, bad. this guy stinks! <laughs> Who stinks? I don't know. In your opinion, whoever wrote that article. <laughs> I just think it's, it's, just, it's just, just such a... It's not like this guy... It wasn't a commentary. He's reporting on a story. And the story broke about this Georgia, Ohio State competing for the player. The story broke out of Columbus. We're a guy who covers the Buckeyes regularly. So that part of it was factual. But now this guy turns that into, well, it looks like moving forward, Ohio State's not going to be able to recruit any more players anymore because they don't have any money. Not the kind of money that Georgia has. And oh, by the way, I'm a Michigan man. Come on. Come on. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! Boy, you guys are coming up with all new material. So, Tom, b- before we end the day, um, I do want to at least do this day in history, just so then we can uh, not break any. Uh, oh yeah, here we go. Any trend? Exactly. Here we go. Let's go. 1935. Yep. The Lions win their first NFL title, not the Super Bowl, not a Super Bowl, but their first NFL title, and one of their only NFL titles. 1973, Tennessee beat Temple 11-6 to in the lowest-scoring college basketball game recorded. 1980, Dave Winfield became the highest-paid player, a 10-year, $15 million deal. And then in 2002, Carson Palmer wins the Heisman. We were debating on what would make the list, and Casey says, what do you think about Dave Winfield, 10 years, $15 million? I said, that's got to be on the list. Hard to believe, isn't it? Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. And Brandon Nimmo just got eight years, 160-something million. Dave Winfield. Now, you talk about You talk about an athlete. He was one of, what, two guys ever to be drafted in all three sports? Baseball, football, and basketball? Awesome guy. Oh, man. Winfield? 
smart guy. I think he I think he was drafted. If I'm not, I could be wrong on this, but I think I'm right on that. Dave Winfield. Now, Tom, would you consider this guy a, a real man? Well. Or would you consider him a leader of men? I don't know about leader of men. Just but a he real is man. a real man. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. 12 time All Star, seven time Gold Glove Award winner. Um, went on a baseball scholarship. A lot of people don't know the University of Minnesota. He played both baseball and basketball at Minnesota. Was part of a Minnesota team that won a Big Ten basketball championship. Um, trying to see where this thing is in football I, I thought that he had been drafted just somebody taking a flyer late um maybe it was just baseball and basketball i thought somebody took a flyer on him in football but still he's a multi multi-sport a baseball hall of famer athlete. end of story and he's a born and raised minnesota kid saint paul minnesota tom before we get out of this show today. Uh, got, got some water there in front of you? I do. Pawnee water. They're right across the street here in Hamilton, Ohio. I've talked about them before. They're brand new to the marketplace. Uh, two guys left Procter & Gamble. Big research guys, doctors. Not only smart guys, but just great guys. Uh, I see them every day out here in the parking lot. Talk to them every single day. But, you know, the, the, the way their, their natural filtration System is different than any other bottled water, and it really is the best tasting water I've ever had. They call it the best tasting water in the world. I'm not going to argue with them. It's that good. But they need to start getting in more stores around town. Okay? They're trying to build their business, and they've got a great product. It's called Pani, P-A-H-H-N-I. So go to Pani Water, P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to find out exactly where you can find it. They're in some places. Trying to get them in a lot more places because uh, their product is certainly worth it. About four minutes to go here, fellas. Do we have a cherry on top today or no? Ooh, do we? Uh, I, we might not today. Okay. We might not today. All right, I have a question for you guys. Okay. In 2004, ESPN named Dave Winfield. Okay. As the third best all-around athlete of all time. We do have a cherry on top, by the way. Oh, we yes, do? Go okay. Ahead, go ahead and Okay, ask but I need somebody to find out who were the first two. Now, we know that Bo Jackson is clearly one of the first two. Third, Dave Winfield was the third best mm -hmm. athlete of all time? All-around all well, all athlete. Bo Jackson's the best. So we uh, got Well, uh, you know, Bo Jackson, uh, 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 Dion. Dion. Yeah. Bo and Dion. There you three? go. There's your top two. Okay. Right? I, 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 I'm guessing. I mean, I don't know if they're throwing like Jim Thorpe in there, guys like that. Oh, I be. mean, what about, what about Jim Brown? He was the best college lacrosse player. They say the best lacrosse player on the planet. Coming out of Syracuse. Not a bad football player either. All right, what is this? See, we just had to make the people – Everybody, we got a cherry on top. All right, we got a Don't cherry worry. on top presented by our good friends from United Dairy Farmers. Play this. So, Tom, this is Purdue head coach Matt Painter on his coach's show yesterday, or maybe the day before. Uh, it was published yesterday. 
Matt Painter on the Matt Painter Show uh, from, oh, this was actually December 12th. He's taking a call from a fan who has a suggestion. Okay. Play it. Uh, all around, it's very hard to uh, suggest or criticize the number one unbeaten team. But uh, on behalf of the Class M tailgaters, uh, we have a couple of observations that have been concerning us. And it uh, <clears throat> came to light on this Nebraska game where uh, – uh, they were double teaming Edie under the basket, and it seemed to create a lot of problems for us. And uh, we've been thinking that maybe the the play selection should be balanced from shooting three pointers uh, to trying to go inside to Edie. And we think there needs to be a balance, and which would be dribble penetration to the rim or short of the rim. And all we have to do, coach, is get the ball and play above the rim and. And Edie or Mr. Basketball on the double low post, they're going to be able to control the play oh my God. And, and either stuff it or get fouled. And uh, we're just uh, asking for maybe a, a more balance than the three-pointers. I know we've had these talks over the years gone by, and I know you love the three-pointer, but we're just suggesting a, more of a, a balance and more dribbling and, and less three-pointers, especially oh when you're God. shooting 11%. Is this ever going to end? I know you don't like me uh, to talk like that, but I just think we have to bring it up again. And again, Coach, thank you for another spectacular start. <laughs> Could you imagine being a head coach and sitting up there and listening to a minute and 24 seconds of that? I mean, I know the guy means well. He, and you know what? Obviously, he means well, and he's obviously very well versed in the sport of basketball. I mean, talking about dribble penetration, about, you know, the inside-outside game. The guy knows the sport. I mean, good Lord. Apparently, he's had that conversation with him multiple times. <laughs> well, I just read, a, you know, a, 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 a daily uh, devotional today written by Dr. Bill Bright, and, and it had to do with patience and learning patience. And so clearly right there, Matt Painter has learned unbelievable patience. Can you imagine sitting through that? There is a full YouTube video, if you want to go back and find it, of Matt's response to it. That's worth it, too. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, tomorrow, um, hoping to have Dan Hoare join the program. Uh, the UC Bearcats, he will be broadcasting, I'm quite sure, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl on Saturday before then flying from Boston to Tampa for the 425 Bengals game on Sunday. What else are we thinking about tomorrow, boys? We have our picks. We're going to start our bowl picks and right into the NFL. Uh, anything uh, you guys are interested in tomorrow? It's, it's a pretty good weekend this weekend. And uh, Kentucky plays UCLA at Madison Square Garden this weekend. Uh, they the Buckeyes play this weekend up there against Carolina, I think. It's, it, this is a fun week, like a low-key kind of snuck up on you, fun weekend of sports. Yeah, Miami plays UAB tomorrow in the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, Big East play starts tomorrow night. Then Saturday, every team in the area pretty much plays except for Northern Kentucky. Cincinnati plays Louisville in the Fenway Bowl. Um, there's some NFL games on Saturday. Indiana plays Kansas on Saturday in uh, basketball. Houston plays Virginia. Some good games. There's some good big-time games. Uh, North Carolina plays at Ohio State at 3 o'clock. Yeah. Some big-time games. Yeah. Tennessee uh, plays at Arizona. That's at 10.30. Man, there are a lot of good games this little, weekend. Little nightcap. That's just on Saturday. Then, and then you got a whole host 
of the NFL on Sunday. It's a fun weekend. And, of course, we'll have tomorrow. Is, is teaching Tom every day? It's got to be hard to come up with material. Uh, maybe not every day, but now we're, we're going to have one for tomorrow. I oh, think. we are. Well, well I think yeah, we came you, up with you, something. We came up. Yeah, we came up with something there. Okay. It oh, was actually brought up in the chat. The World Cup final on Sunday, too. 10 a.m. Oh, baby. I'll be watching. The Argentinians oh, and the French are going to start that, and the United States is going to have to show up at halftime to bail one of them out. <laughs> That's what we do for the French. We always bail them out. Always bail them out. White flag, white flag. What the hell are you laughing at, Paul? Uh, it's just, uh, that no, is a fact. That was good. It's a fact. Yeah. It's a fact. I mean, at least the English put up a fight. I mean, the French rolled over. All right, boys. Not, not too picky up right yeah. now. Not too picky coming up. You don't want to miss it. Lots of stuff on the docket. You just talked about all these great games. Bowl season underway. Here we go. Here we go. See you tomorrow.